الحمد للہ الحمد للہ وکفاسلام فعلم ما في قلوبهم فأنزل السكينة عليهم وأثابهم فتحا قريبا وقال تعالى والسابقون الأولون من المهاجرين والأنصار والذين اتبعوهم بإحسان رضي الله عنهم ورضوا عنه وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا رأيتم الذين يسبون أصحابي فقولوا لعنة الله على شركم أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected علماء الكرام Brothers and elders A mu'min is a mu'min because he is identified by his iman he might be anybody, he may be living in any part of the world, he may be of any nationality, or whatever other differences they may appear in terms of location, in terms of color, in terms of language, all these things do not matter. What matters is that a mu'min is a mu'min because he is identified by his iman. And this is the greatest wealth that any human can possess. It is only iman that is the ticket to jannat. Without this iman, a person can be whatever he might be in this world. He can be the best rocket scientist. He might have been the best philanthropist. He might have been the one who has found the best kind of inventions that help mankind. He could have reached the moon and whatever else he might have become. And he could have been even the most generous, most kind, most whatever else in terms of general day-to-day things are concerned. But if he left this world without Iman, then he is doomed to eternal destruction, he is doomed to eternal punishment. This is something Allah Ta'ala has clearly spelt out in the Qur'an Sharif. And this is something that we must not have any doubt about. This is something that is fundamental to our Iman itself. The Qur'an Sharif Allah Ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا أَعْمَالُهُمْ كَسَرَابٍ بِقِيعَةِ يَحْسَبُهُ الظَّمْآنُ مَاهَا that those who reject even one fundamental aspect of deen, of iman. A person, for example, he is regular with his salah, he fasts in the month of Ramadan, he gives his zakat, over and above that he is also very charitable, and he is somebody who is always ready to help anyone and everyone. So all these things are excellent in itself, but it needs a foundation to be built upon. And that foundation is Iman. 
Allah Ta'ala says, those who commit kufr of even one fundamental aspect of deen. So now the person has all these things in his life, but for example, he rejects the aspect of life after death. He says, no, I don't believe in such a thing. Or he believes in life after death, but he rejects that there is something like azab in the qabr, in the grave, punishment in the grave, which is also established in a fundamental manner. Or he rejects some other fundamental aspect of deen. This one rejection takes him out of the pain of Islam. And all these actions that he was doing, performing his salah, fasting, giving a lot of charity, being very helpful and kind to people, Allah Ta'ala says, أَعْمَالُهُمْ kasarab. That all their actions is like a mirage in the desert. That from far off, the person in the desert, he can see water. But in reality, يَحْسَبُهُ الظَّمْآنُ مَاءَ Allah Ta'ala says that the thirsty person from a distance, he can see water. But when he gets there, what water is there? There's only sand. It's just a reflection on the sand. حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَهُ لَمْ يَجِدْهُ شَيْئًا When he gets there, he finds nothing. He finds that this was just a deception. That there was nothing that he had really seen. Likewise, the person who left this world without Iman, he thought he was doing a lot of good actions. But when he gets to the Akhirat, حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَهُ لَمْ يَجِدْهُ شَيْئًا وَوَجَدَ اللَّهَ عِنْدَهُ فَوَفَّاهُ حِسَابًا وَاللَّهُ سَرِيعُ الْحِسَابًا When he gets there, he finds there is nothing there for him. Whatever good he did in this world, he got the benefit of it in this world also. But there is nothing for him in the Akhirat. So what this highlights for us is, that this Iman is something that cannot be compromised for anything. And all the other deep philosophies and whatever other things that we might want to get into, the bottom line is Iman. Now there have been always in every era those who have tried to deviate people of Iman. There were those who were the open enemies of the Muslims. The open enemies, they started off, Na'uzubillah, trying to even cast slanders against the personality of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa They distorted various things to try and create doubt and confusion in the minds of Muslims regarding the very personality of Rasulullah himself. So that was the way that the open disbelievers, the open enemies of Islam, this is the approach they used. Then there was another group who were not so open, who in fact claimed, in every era, in different guises, claimed to be part of the community of Muslims. But in reality, they were trying to dig up the foundations of Islam. Now, because they were claiming themselves to be Muslims, obviously for them to now try to bring down the personality of Nabi Salaam himself, this was an impossible thing, because obviously his rank, this any mu'min has that firm iman in his heart about that the greatest of all the creation of Allah Ta'ala is none other than Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with perfection in every aspect. So that, that was obviously something beyond them. So then what? Now how do you attack Islam while trying to be from within? So the next step that they found was that okay, the next level is the level of the Sahaba Ikram. 
if we bring down the Sahaba Ikram, then the structure of Deen won't remain. It's like a person building a skyscraper. That skyscraper is all on that first floor. The rest of it, that hundredth floor also, it's all resting on the first floor. So now somebody says, okay, just demolish this first floor and keep the skyscraper in its place. You demolish the first floor, everything comes down. The ground floor, you demolish the ground floor, everything comes down. Now this ground floor are the Sahaba. And therefore, in various times in the history of Islam, there have been different groups who made the Sahaba their target of criticism, of distortion, of slander. And this is unfortunately continuing up to this day in time. So that if the personalities of the Sahaba could be brought forward in such a light that it creates doubts and confusion in the mind of a person, then his whole deen will shake. Why? What is our deen based on? Our whole iman is based on what? It's based on the Quran Sharif and based on the sunnah of Rasulullah This is the foundations of Islam. And everything else stems from that. How did we get the Quran Sharif? Allah Ta'ala revealed it upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa passed it on to who? To the Sahaba Ikram. Now if the Sahaba Ikram are not to be trusted, then how can you trust the Quran Sharif? Because Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa stayed in the dunya for 23 years from the time of Nubuwad. After 23 years he passed on. And there was a Sahaba around who were the first recipients of the Quran Sharif. So if Na'uzubillah, the Sahaba can't be trusted, can you trust the Qur'an Sharif? Deen is based together with the Qur'an Sharif on the explanations of Rasulullah sallallahu on his ahadith, on his traditions. Who were the recipients? Who were the students of Nabi sallallahu The Sahaba ikram. So if the Sahaba ikram, Na'uzubillah, cannot be trusted, then how can you trust the sunnah? Meaning the traditions, the ahadith. Then there will be doubt in all of that. And this has been the objective of those who want to try and destroy deen from within, in the name of Islam. And those who from outside as well. That try and remove the Sahaba from the equation, nothing remains. But Allah wa ta'ala has protected this authenticity of deen by protecting the personalities of the Sahaba in the Quran Sharif. Our aqidah, our belief is not based on historical records of various historians. Aqidah is based on what is in the Quran Sharif and what comes transmitted at the highest level of authenticity from Rasulullah Those are the sources of aqidah. And regarding our aqidah in terms of the Sahaba Ikram, Allah Taala mentions various ayat in the Quran Sharif. In one ayat of the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says that was sabiqoon al-awwaloona min al-muhajireen wal-ansar that the foreigners, those who were right ahead of everyone else, the foreigners among the muhajireen and the ansar. Now in the Sahaba there were only two categories. Either they were the muhajireen or they were the ansar. 
And it's obvious that the Muhajirin only became Muhajirin after Hijrah. So now this ayat has been revealed late in time. When the Sahaba were already now in Madina Munawara. And now the Muhajirin and Ansar are both there. Allah Ta'ala is saying that those who are the foreigners among the Muhajirin and Ansar, and then وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانِ And those who follow in their way, with ikhlas and sincerity, and in the proper manner, then Allahu anhum waradu an. Allah Ta'ala is pleased with them. This is the endorsement from Allah Ta'ala. That if anybody else has doubts about them, then they have doubts regarding the endorsement of Allah Ta'ala. Now, what is the condition of such a person's iman who has doubts about the endorsement of Allah Ta'ala? He should check for himself. Allah Ta'ala is endorsing, Allah Ta'ala is pleased with them, and they are pleased with Allah Ta'ala. And others after the Sahaba, they also get an endorsement provided. Those who follow the Sahaba correctly, then they also get endorsed. But if they don't follow the Sahaba, they want to do something else of their own, then Allah knows best where they'll finish off. So the endorsement of the Sahaba is not in any historical record that you're going to rely on. The endorsement of the Sahaba is in the Quran Sharif itself. It is stated in the Hadith that when the people of Jannat will all have now, whoever was meant to have entered Jannat, and every person, the last person that has come out of Jahannam also, everyone has entered Jannat. Eventually, when all are there, Allah Ta'ala will address the Jannatis, those who are in Jannat, Allah Ta'ala will ask them that, is there something, Shay'un Azizukum, any further bounty and ni'mat that I may bestow upon you? The people of Jannat will say, Allah, what else can we ask for? You have given us everything. So Allah Ta'ala will then announce something which will be beyond every ni'mat for these Jannatis. Allah Ta'ala will say, Uhillu alaykum ridwani fala askhatu alaykum ba'dahu abada. That today I'm announcing my pleasure for you. I will never become displeased. Now this is that final announcement that will be made for the Jannatis which will take them to another height of happiness. That now we will get this ridwan and pleasure of Allah Ta'ala forever. When this will come? Long after they have entered Jannat. That announcement for the general Jannatis, which will happen when they will enter Jannat, Allah Ta'ala made that announcement for the Sahaba while they were walking on earth. While they were walking on this earth, Allah Ta'ala announced for them, Radiyallahu anhum wa radu'an. There was the battle of, well the pledge, under the tree that happened at the time of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, before the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, it's a lengthy incident, but those who had come and pledged their allegiance at the hands of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that we are ready to give our lives, but we will not turn back. It's a lengthy incident, but on that occasion Allah Ta'ala revealed one ayat of the Qur'an Sharif. لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ Allah Ta'ala has become pleased with those believers who had come and taken the pledge under that tree. If you buy your own, who had taken the pledge on your hands, under that tree, this whole description is there in the Quran Sharif. And further Allah Ta'ala says, فَعَلِمَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ Allah Ta'ala knows what is in their hearts. Allah Ta'ala has become pleased with them. Why? 
Not because what pretense they are making of things. Allah Ta'ala is pleased with them because He sees the heart itself. External is obvious. The internal is also open in front of Allah Ta'ala. فَعَلِمَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ Allah Ta'ala knows what is in their hearts. The sincerity of their iman. Their love for Allah Ta'ala. Their love for Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Their sincerity in serving deen. So already while walking on this earth, they are getting that announcement of the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, which the Jannatis will receive in Jannat after they enter, the general Jannatis. So from time to time this has always happened, that to try and create corruption in any community, to try and bring people away from their deen, to try and create confusion in their minds, the Sahaba Ikram were made the target of criticism, the target of attack, but this is something which Nabi Islam foresaw. And therefore Nabi Islam also highlighted this. That beware of this. In one hadith Nabi Islam says, La tasubbu ashabi. Don't speak ill of my sahaba. La tasubbu ashabi. So now we need to be very wary if we hear somebody speaking ill of the sahaba. But Nabi Islam is already cautioning us that don't speak ill of my sahaba. And then now you'll get some person writing a very flowery book, very well presented, and really captivates the reader. But that is a big danger, that a person just picks up anything because it's printed so nicely, it looks so attractive, and the manner of writing is such that it just carries the reader away. So anything and everything must go, we are all very discerning. A discerning person is one who has the full knowledge beforehand. Adequate knowledge of what the realities are. The person doesn't have that depth of knowledge, how is he going to discern? Now the person is reading a book, and by the time he's finished, this is not just a hypothetical example, by the time he's finished, he has doubts about Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. That, was this person really a good person? Na'uzubillah. He's questioning the personality of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab, why? Because of the poison of this writer in the book, where he just drops some of his own imagination to corrupt the reader's mind. One Jew wrote a book on Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala, spanning almost 200 pages. Now, what does a Jew have interest in the personality of Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala? Where's the link between a Jew and Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala? He wrote a book spanning almost 200 pages. And it is filled with authentic narrations about all the virtues of Abdullah bin Mas'ud and what position and status he enjoyed and how Nabi Islam loved him and what Nabi Islam said about him. Abdullah bin Mas'ud is pleased with something, I am pleased with it. Why? Because I have that confidence in him that he will only be pleased with something that he has learned from me. And all the ahadis. And he paints a wonderful picture of him. Come towards the end, he drops a two-line poison. From his imagination, without any quotation, without any reference, but now the book is filled with so many references, when the person comes to these two lines, he's not even looking anymore now. What's the authenticity of everything? Right through from the whole beginning of the book till that last few pages is Bukhari Sharif and Muslim Sharif and Tirmizi Sharif and 
quotation after quotation with references, come the last few pages where the reader is even concerned now about looking what, what is authenticity. And there he drops a two-line poison from his imagination that he sometimes had a habit of fabricating hadith, na'uzubillah. But this was the whole purpose of that book. That whole book was written for nothing but these two lines. Now if he had, na'uzubillah, a habit of fabricating hadith sometimes, that sometimes will throw into doubt every hadith related by him. Now this was the objective. Now this has always been the target, the way that the people who wanted to try and bring deen down, target the sahaba. Take them out of the equation. You take the sahaba out of the equation, there's nothing left. So we have to be very, 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 very alert. We see somebody in Nabi Islam is saying, La tasubbu ashabi. Don't speak ill of my sahaba. If somebody is still speaking ill of the sahaba, where does he fit in the, in the light of what Nabi Islam is saying? And then to further open our minds to the reality, Nabi Islam says, Law anfaqa ahadukum misla uhudin zahaba. That if one of you, meaning those after the sahaba, if you have to spend gold to the extent of the mountain of Uhad in charity, the mountain of Uhad, the extent of that in gold you spend in charity, you will not get the reward of them spending a handful of grain in the path of Allah. Neither a half of that amount. Why? Because the reward is not based purely on the quantity. The reward is based on the sincerity. You spend a mountain of gold... But our sincerity is not even that handful sometimes. And they might have spent that handful, but their sincerity is mountains full. And that's where the reward is based on. And in another hadith, in Tirmidhi Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, that, You see somebody speaking ill of my sahaba, then you say, لَعْنَةُ ala sharrikum. May Allah tell us, curse me upon this evil of yours. So this is a very, very fundamental aspect of our Iman, our Deen. And it hasn't stopped, the, the efforts of the enemies haven't stopped to try and bring the Sahaba down so that this confusion reigns in the right, minds of the ordinary Muslim and he has no respect left for the Sahaba. As a result, he'll have no respect left for Deen itself. And then his Iman, but his Iman will fly at any time. Just to understand these personalities in the light of two or three incidents. Obviously, there's so much regarding this, but just from one angle, that what were their hearts like? They were also human, they also had feelings, they also were insan. On one occasion, Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Umar, they were discussing something. And Abu Bakr said something. Hazrat Umar said something else. So on that occasion, now whatever it was, Abu Bakr on that moment something just slipped from his mouth. And he said, you just like to oppose me. It just slipped. One ray incident happens in a person's whole life. You don't pass judgment on that one ray incident. The in- judgment is passed on the overall situation. So in any case, this one ray incident happened. Umar got upset about this. He woke up and walked away. But as soon as he started walking away, Abu Bakr al realized that this was my mistake. I should have said this. So he starts walking behind him. He says to him, look, my mistake, please forgive me. 
Marlano became up, had become upset, but he didn't want to disrespect the personality also. So he quietly carried on walking and went away inside his house. And he closed the door. And when he closed the door, Abu Bakr what does he do? So he took a turn and he came towards the majlis of Rasulullah Where Nabi Islam was, he came in that direction. As Nabi Islam sees him coming, he takes one look at him and he says to the other sahaba present, Amma sahibukum hada faqad ghamara. Your companion is coming along, your brother is coming along. It seems like he has had some, some little altercation with somebody. One look on the face said it. So Abu Bakr comes along and he relates the incident. This is what happened. I made a mistake, I said something, but it upset Umar radiallahu I then asked him for forgiveness, but he just walked away and he went away inside his house. But now this was one side of it. On the other side, Umar went inside his house and then it stuck him. After all, the man came behind you asking you for forgiveness and you carried on walking away. Now this already is something for us to reflect on. The cleanliness of the hearts. One is human emotion. But how quickly this human emotion was brought under control. This person came, he asked you for forgiveness, you carried on walking away. This is wrong, you can't do this. He comes out of his house. He comes to the house of Abu Bakr Is he here? He says, no, he's not here. Well, if he's not here, he can only be one other place. He also comes to the majlis of Rasulullah Coming for what? Coming to meet Abu Bakr and ask him for forgiveness. As Hazrat Umar is approaching, Nabi Islam has already heard this incident, what happened. Nabi Islam sees him coming. And Abu Bakr is watching the face of Rasulullah that he is getting upset. He understands why. Nabi Islam's attachment with Abu Bakr was of such a level that he could not tolerate somebody disturbing him. That was his attachment. Now he asked Umar for forgiveness and he turned away. This was a very big disturbance. So it was obvious he's going to reprimand Umar. Now they've just had an altercation. But when Abu Bakr sees this, he sees the face of Nabi Sallallahu changing color. This authentic hadith of Bukhari Sharif. He sits up on his knees and he starts saying repeatedly, Kuntu ana azlam ya Rasulullah. Kuntu ana azlam ya Rasulullah. O Nabi of Allah, it was my mistake. I was more at fault. He is now trying to protect his brother. That he must not get reprimanded in any way. Now this is just one glimpse. That just now they had a little bit of a argument you may say. Some little altercation which was a rare situation based on human emotion. But these were humans of another category. That in moments those emotions were all brought under check. Now they are already busy trying to reconcile. One is busy trying to save his brother who he had come to complain about. Just now he brought the complaint. Now he's already going out of his way to save Hazrat Umar from any kind of reprimand. This can only be from people who had true sincere hearts. They were clean within themselves. They had no malice for each other. Those minute little incidents that might have happened, that to happen just on maybe whatever little issues were, their hearts were completely clean for one another. There was a battle that took place once. On both sides were Sahaba. We don't need to go into those details. But that happened on a point of principle. 
and both felt that this was something that I got to stand the ground because this is what I believe to be the truth and therefore I got to stand for it. It was an aspect of judgment. In any case, the point is that now in the midst of battle, every now and again obviously things will subside. There will be times for meals because you got to eat obviously. There was one person who was on one side. But when it be the time of eating, he would cross the line and go sit on the dasarkhan of the other side. He would join the other party for their food, with their meals. And people were observing this. This is a very strange thing. This person fights on this side. He eats on this side. So eventually somebody asked him. Now this is a lesson again, that if we had some fraction of the purity of their hearts at the time of war, if we had that amount of purity at the time of peace also, at the time of friendship also, we'll be going far away. We'll be far ahead. Even in the time of friendship, we can't maintain that level of purity of the heart for one another that they had when they were in opposition to one another. Now this person is being observed. Eventually somebody asks him that this is a very strange thing. You fight on this side, you eat with them. He says, well, I believe these people's standpoint to be the correct one. Those people's food is better. But now the point to think about is that when he went to eat on that side, nobody told him that what kind of namak haram are you? You fight against us, you come to eat our food. When he came to eat the food, they welcomed him. And after eating, he went back. And nobody on the other side also reprimanded him and rebuked him, which shows the purity of the hearts. If we could have that amount of purity in our hearts at the time of friendship, that they had when they were at war with one another, we would be very far ahead in life. So the sahaba kiram Allah wa ta'ala has endorsed their position right in the Quran Sharif. Nabi Islam has endorsed their position. And if anybody else wants to spit at the moon, that spit is going to come back on his own face. He's not going to go anywhere else. So he will only harm himself. He'll destroy his own deen. And for us, we have to be extremely wary about anybody who speaks any ill of any Sahabi. In the light of the Ahadith that we have discussed, may Allah wa ta'ala give us a topic understanding deen correctly, of being steadfast on deen and iman, and together with all the other aspects of deen, having the utmost respect for the Sahaba-i-Kiram. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.